Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today, we are very excited to have Tina Rivera on. Tina, I'll turn it over to you to give a little introduction on yourself, please. First and foremost, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you reaching out to me so that this is a big deal for me. So just so you know. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. (laughs) So my name is Tina Rivera. I'm located in New Jersey. I'm actually a licensed physical therapist assistant by trade, but I branched off about three years ago with my own business. I've become an entrepreneur and I specialize in recovery, injuries, and mobility work. Fantastic. And your social media handle is The Stretch Boss. At The Stretch Boss. At The Stretch Boss. Fantastic. So let's talk about stretching. I think everybody realizes, generally speaking, what some of the benefits are, but what are some maybe subtle benefits that people don't think about when it comes to stretching? Subtle ones? Or like things that they wouldn't think of offhand. Well, it depends on what kind of stretching. Are we talking about passive, active? Nice. See, that's a big key right there. Excellent. Thank you for bringing that up because I think most people just think about passive stretching. Yes. Passive stretching is good. I think what people don't realize, sometimes there's an emotional component to it. And I think they oh. take it for granted. A lot of the times I'm into Z health right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out how the brain affects certain things, what it might perceive as a threat, or if somebody's going through a stressful time in their life. Sometimes I can do, I'm certified for FST. If you guys know what that is, I'm sure you do. Fascial mm-hmm. stretch therapy mm-hmm. yep. and Fredericks and Chris. So a lot of the times when I do those sessions, people feel euphoric, like they have more blood flow in certain parts of their limbs. So I feel like people take that for granted as far as stretching. I mean, obviously, you're going to gain a little bit more mobility with certain stretches. But I think the mental and the emotional standpoint, people don't realize you can have some benefits, even with passive stretching, because your body's only going to allow you to go through a certain range of motion that maybe I can probably put you in a position if you feel comfortable enough for me to put you there. I think people take that for granted. And now you had talked about active stretching or adding isometrics to it. Isometric. So what's that difference for the average listener that may not know? So the difference is I'm putting you through a a passive stretch or through a range. And then I'm either having you hold that range for five to ten seconds. Um, I'm having you push against me, which is PNF, to enable you to get uh, more range or your body or the joint to access more range in the joint that I'm trying to work on. I do a lot of cars. So I do FRC. Nice. I am FRC certified. So I have people go through those joint ranges, especially the hip, the spinal segments. I'll have them work on, but I do it without them unknowing unknowingly that I'm doing it. A lot of the times I'll just make them go through the motions and then just teach them how to do the cars. And then I'll send them home, you know, to do the work at home when they need it. But active stretching for me or dynamic includes FRC when I do it. Mm -hmm. I'm just getting you to hold the position, press against, irradiate, create that tension inside the joint or doing some PNF. So you said you, um, by trade, you're a licensed physical therapist assistant. What what made you move away from that and to get into what you're doing now? (laughs) So honestly... When I got my license, the last job that I had, which was great, I worked with, it was located in the gym and it was an integrated facility. So I had chiropractic acupuncture there and then I was the acting PT on site. So I don't know if you guys have PTAs out there, but pretty much it's like the equivalent to a physician's assistant. Mm -hmm. So the PT comes in, does the evaluation, hands me the paperwork, and I'm pretty much with you for the duration of your treatment. And then once I feel like you've met all your goals, I hand it off to the PT and say, this person needs to be discharged. And they just do a reevaluation, sign off and says, you know, you met everything that you're supposed to. So with that comes corrective exercises, obviously. Mm -hmm. I got hired at this place and they just wanted me to stretch people, which was very odd. (laughs) And, you know, I was like, I... I spent this time in school. I didn't just go to school just to stretch. And so in PT or PTA school, they teach you the basic stretch. And it's just like, if you know what the muscle is in a shortened position, you put it in a lengthened position, you hold it and that's stretching. That's Mm -hmm. pretty much what they teach you. So I started to notice a reoccurring theme 
and I decided to look into FST. Mm-hmm. And so when I went there, I didn't realize like at the end, I just thought I was going to learn a new technique. And I okay. didn't know that the end of the certification that you can do private sessions on your own. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. And so it started off very slow, like where I just started to use different areas like FST on specific body parts. If they came in for back pain, I would do like the lower back stretches or the hip stretches. And I started to get really good feedback in the clinic. People were like, who's that girl that does all the weird stretches? And they started asking for me (laughs) when they came in. So I started to get a lot of patient retention because oddly enough, like people would be in rehab for three or four months with back pain. And I would Mm do maybe five, 10 minutes of FST on their lower back. And then the next day when they would come back, like, I don't know what you did, but I didn't have back pain. Like it felt good. Yeah. So I got tired of the rat race because sometimes Mm -hmm. clinics, it becomes an assembly line. Mm -hmm. And when, when I was there, like stretching is great. And I'm all for passive and active stretching, but sometimes you need corrective exercises. You need manual techniques. You, you know, those things have to be a part of their program. And I just wasn't allowed to do that. It was more like, we only want you to put this in and stretch, save them the massage or the manual stuff for the massage therapist. We'll adjust them. And it just became this like, mm. like factory where I only was spending maybe five to 10 minutes with the patient. So I started taking clients privately and it started off with FST and then Mm -hmm. they would be like, but you know, I've been suffering from shoulder impingement or this. And then just of all the things that I have learned throughout the years, it just kind of took a a life of its own. Cause I go, okay, we're going to stretch here, but we're going to cup here. We're going to, I'm going to teach you to do these exercises. I'll send you, you know, do these at home. And I just like, it just took off after that because I guess people were realizing like, it just wasn't one thing. So I would do mm-hmm. FST for certain things. And when then apply the FRC, apply my cupping techniques, doing trigger point work. And I decided to just branch off on my own. I was there for three years and then I was doing my stuff on the side and working for them full time. And then it just kind of became overwhelming because I was working like 14 hour days, seven oh, days a Damn. Seven days yeah. a week. Damn. Yeah. So, cause the only time I could take clients was like a Saturday or a mm, Sunday. Yeah. And then um, after I was done with work, so I would get off of work around seven and then I would take my first client at seven 30 and wouldn't get home to like 12. Oh, and then geez. Sundays, you know, everyone's off on Sunday. So I'd mm-hmm. be, I'd work from like 7am to almost like eight o'clock at night. So when I started to like, almost feel like I was burning out, sometimes you stay at a place because of sense of security. So mm-hmm. I was just like, Oh, this is a paycheck. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if I see one patient or 20, I'm still going to get a check at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go off on your own, you make your own paycheck. You know, know, so if you don't see uh, anybody, you're not getting paid. Very true. So yeah. that was like, I struggled with that for a little bit. And then after COVID, a lot of my clients started to hit me up because they were getting back pain. People who were, you know, just people off of social media because they just didn't know what to do. They were sitting for long periods of time and they mm-hmm. didn't realize that can have an effect on their lower back or their hips. And they're like, I don't know what's happening. I never suffered from hip or back pain. And now like I, I wake up and I'm so stiff. So when things started to open up, I started to take clients again and it kind of took off and then I resigned and then I just made the big leap and decided to do this full time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Everything comes with the risk. Yeah. But uh, the reward is there for you. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I know you touched uh, just a few minutes ago about making sure it's not just stretching, but you actually have to do some exercises or activities after that. So uh, is that a huge misconception in the general public? They just think it's just about the stretching? Yes, yes. A lot of people will come in and then they just want to get stretched. And then I'll have them like after maybe the last 10 or 15 minutes of the session, we go through corrective exercises or activation drills so they mm-hmm. can see and feel things moving. And I can monitor because a lot of the times, I'm sure you guys run through this, you realize how much lack of body awareness people oh. have. So they think they're doing something correctly and you're mm-hmm. like, no, you show them a video and, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, that's what it, yeah, no, that's not what we're, you know, we're supposed to. <laughs> 
doing. So yeah, I have them go through stuff and then just, they're like, Oh, I'm like, this feels different, right? If you were doing it in the gym alone and you didn't have someone cueing you or putting you in the proper position, what would it feel like? It doesn't feel like this. Okay. So now, (laughs) so now you know what position you have to be on and that's something that you have to work on. So yeah, I definitely feel like that's a misconception. People think they're just going to lay on my table and they're not going to go to work. Like I'm always incorporating some, I'm big on movement. Mm-hmm. And I'm always incorporating some type of movement, whether they have the cups on, whether I'm stretching them, we'll do a little PNF while I'm stretching. Again, active cupping, I'll make them go whatever position they got injured in. Mm-hmm. You best believe they're going to move in that position. Like I'm going to make you get into that position. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll do it within a certain pain threshold, mm-hmm. but you're going to get in that position because you're going to teach your brain not to be afraid or scared to get back into that position again. So, yeah, I'm big on that. I think I've seen you combine uh, cupping with the sticks in some of your videos. Yeah, yeah, I'll have them do like stretches or some of the the drills, and then I'll I'll use the cups. I think the cups, what they do for me and what I've, what I've seen is obviously you pull some of the tissue and some of the fascia, and it's amazing. I mean, I'm still looking at the science behind it, and there's not a not much science out mm-hmm. there proving that the cups work, but I can only tell you what I see when they come into my practice and what I see when I work on my clients. And sometimes I'll put the cups and I'll just have them do certain stretches, like you said, with the sticks and have them do a basic hamstring stretch with the sticks. And then I'll take the cups off and it's like 10 degrees of range, like in yeah. an instant. And it stays. Like I, there was, people are skeptical sometimes in what I've gotten, like, well, how long does it last? Mm. Say like that okay it lasts it, you know you showed in your video but how long did they have that range and i want to say about 80 percent of my clients like stay with the range i've had mm. people who come i had a lady who came in with shoulder pain mm-hmm. and she was suffering with shoulder pain for a year and couldn't lift up her shoulder it was like this is as far as she can go we did cupping we did some you know active cupping where i actually make her move with the cups on i took it off and she had no pain. She was able to do push-ups. And she actually came to me. This was like maybe three years ago. And she's like, I, since that session, I still haven't had pain in my shoulder since. So I can only speak about what I see on my table. And for me, mm-hmm. it works. Although some people are like, oh, there's not evidence-based you know, research on it. So we're not sure if, they're, if that's actually doing anything or if it's a mental thing. But for me, it's like if it's going to get somebody moving and give them quality of life, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a, an important part because there's people either tend to be very empirical. They want to see numbers. They want to see studies. They want the black and white print. And there's other people that are like, look, I see what I see. It's anecdotal, but this is the benefits that I see the people getting out of it. And they're good with that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And there are some studies out there, like they're testing and I mean, it's not enough, but mm-hmm. I can only tell you what I see and what I see is, you know, people move better. They have less pain or no pain when mm-hmm. I do it. So I'm going to keep doing it because that's what's working. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so. you had said the brain wants to protect the body. Mm-hmm. It wants to make sure that it's not going to get injured or injured, re-injured. So that there's a lot of PTSD that uh, people are holding on to. Yeah, there's a lot of components that people don't realize. Like, again, one of the big things is, like, I'm a big believer in making you move in the position you got mm-hmm. injured. Mm-hmm. And so people will come in, and a lot of them will be scared. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. but, it, but if you have... If you create that confidence within them, they're, you're almost able to do anything. As long as they have confidence in you and you create the reinsurance that they're going to be okay, you know, it may be mental. I don't know. But again, we're just tricking the brain into thinking, yes, I can be in this position and I didn't die. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they want I, that security. They need that they peace want of that mind. Security, yeah. yeah. So I feel like a lot of it is emotional, mental, and for the, everybody just thinks it's just stretching and that's it. Yeah. You know, one thing that I feel like people don't touch on with stretching is like when I took the FST course, I remember that they told me if somebody has an emotional release, it's when they have. 
and they touch on that. They do like an hour talk about how to console the client on your table. If they do, you know, start crying hysterically mm-hmm. for no reason. And I had a lady the other day, an hour and a half of just crying. And all I did was like a little trigger point tissue work, worked on her neck and she just floodgates wow. over. Yeah. And so, so, and she hasn't had, you know, before she saw me, she hadn't had a good night's sleep. Um, one of her concerns was, I feel like we need to be a little bit more kinder with our words when we're Mm -hmm. talking to our clients and our patients, not negative connotations or negative words because she got diagnosed with COPD. Mm. So she came in and she was already, you know, I don't know how this happened. You know, I smoke cigarettes and, but you know, and I can't stop. And she was already with her anxiety, like at a 10. So one of the things is I asked, do you feel comfortable going face down? Cause a lot of the times they don't, cause they feel like they can't breathe and they're being suffocated. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I, I think I'll try. And it was something so simple as teaching her how to breathe correctly. Like she was face down, but I took cups and I put them on the side and I said, I want you to take these cups and fill them up with air, mm. you know, breathe through your belly and push out into the cups. And she started doing, it and she was like, Oh my God, I, I feel relaxed. Like I don't feel like I'm suffocated and then the water works, mm-hmm. you know? So a lot of the times, sometimes people can be holding on to something emotional and that can affect their mobility or mm-hmm. their, you know, wherever is the stiffness or it can cause chronic pain and they don't necessarily know why that's happening. But when you work on enough people like I have, sometimes you do realize there's an emotional component to that. And if you're able to tap into that, then you'll get something like that happened. But the next day she had no shoulder pain and she slept through the night. So I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough. Either they haven't touched enough people or it hasn't happened to them. But again, when I did the FST, that was something that they touched on. And it has happened multiple times. It's just a matter of getting people to relax, calm down their nervous system. Sometimes I do ramp up the nervous system when I'm doing certain things. Obviously, it's painful if, I, if they have the cups on and they're too tight. They might experience a little discomfort, but then we bring it back down, mm-hmm. you know, because you have to play with thresholds. Another example is I had a guy come, he suffers from chronic tics. Oh. And I feel like when you talk to our to your client or to your patient, you have to have a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, yep. have you had this before? How long were you born with this? And people will start to reveal things. And then you're like, wait a minute. Okay. I think this is more emotional than it is physical, you know, or your emotion is affecting the physical or your, you know, your brain is perceiving something or shutting something down or perceive something as a threat. So First session, he came to me for shoulder and I hammered him. I dug my elbow in there and I was cupping and cranking on it because he was stiff. He couldn't like lift mm-hmm. up his arm and his neck. The next day, he's like, I was in a lot of pain, Tina. When he came back for the second session, I worked on the shoulder again. Finally, the third one, I was like, you know what? We're just going to do breath work today. Mm-hmm. And I want you to lie on the table and I want you to breathe for like five to 10 minutes. I know it's going to be hard for you, but mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. And in the, in the middle, in the beginning, he's deflecting, he's talking, mm. like just jabbering, trying to do everything not to breathe properly. And I want to say maybe 20 minutes in, he fell asleep and his nice. head didn't move not once. He didn't have the tick anymore. So I was like, I'm holding his hand and I'm like his head and I'm like, his head is not moving and he's sleeping. <laughs> nice. It's only when he's awake that it happens. Yeah. So you know, just different things like that. And some, this man comes to me just so he can fall asleep on the table because he can't sleep flat on the bed. He has to sleep in a recliner at home because when he sleeps flat, flat the tactile feedback yeah. causes him to tick more. Oh, so wow. the ticks become more aggressive as he's laying down. So, but he's able to do it here, you know? So there's something to be said for that. You know, how if you can get somebody to really, really relax and calm down some of those issues, can go away. I've been doing Z health too. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys are, familiar. I love yep. them. Yep. And yep. so to know what the brain perceives something, you know, what it perceives as a threat can help too with performance wise. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody needs glasses that they can't see properly, if you can't see how fast the ball's coming, yeah, then your body's going to shut something down and say, Hey, I need you to stop doing this task because I don't, I'm not aware of what's happening here, you know? And so either you'll slow down, you'll get pain, 
Mm-hmm. You'll, you, you'll lose a little bit mobility because your body's trying to say, we don't know what's happening. I can't see how fast this, this thing is coming. So I'm going to need you to stop doing this task. And if you don't mm-hmm. stop doing it, I'm going to make it hurt until you realize it's your vision that's impaired. But all the time you're thinking it's your shoulder. Mm-hmm. That's a great aspect. Yeah, I think anytime our body doesn't feel safe, you know, something restricts it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It wants to pump the brakes, yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. And I feel like people don't touch on that more. And when you stretch and move people, that can be an aspect of it. Someone, If you're trying to open someone into abduction and they're fighting you and there's that resistance that's like they're a strong force, you have to, I think, reevaluate and say, wait a minute, let me back off. Let me not force them into this position and see what's really going on here. Because why aren't you allowing me access when you do it passively? Obviously, yeah. FRC, I, I use a lot with my athletes. I have volleyball players, MMA fighters. I have um, tennis, basketball, football, you mm-hmm. name it. I have it. And then I just have your regular Joe Schmo, you know. Weekend warriors, uh, power lifters, bodybuilders. Bodybuilders are interesting too because they don't understand how stretching is important. A lot of the times they want to just work everything in a short imposition. And so, you know, when you teach them, like, listen, if you can elongate this muscle, then you're going to grow more. All you're going to do is grow in this short position and then you're going to be the stocky guy in the gym. So just like, if you learn how to elongate and stretch, you're going to get more blood flow. You're going to get a better pump. And then that's when you grow. So you have to educate them on that because for them, it's like a stigma. I don't want to stretch. I don't yes. want to like, yeah. I love it because it's, you have to find a balance. I did powerlifting for three years and I followed the West side. I trained with the team. And in the beginning, the older power lifters was like, what the hell are you doing? When I'd be doing like my mobility work and stuff, like just get underneath the bar. Stop that. Like that's it. Why are you doing that? You're wasting too much time on that. But now some of those same power lifters, their mobility routine is like 10 minutes long now yeah. because they've had an injury or they had to go to rehab to do stuff. So, but with that, what I also find too with people who do other practitioners or people who stretch, you have to know who's on your table. So mm-hmm. I know you do hockey. So if somebody stretches you out too much. Oh, you're useless on the ice. Yep. Yeah. You know, so you have to know where to stretch and what to stretch, when to mm-hmm. do isometric codes, when to do PNF, because if I make you like Gumby, oh, you're, yeah. you're not going to be any good. Yeah. You know, you've got to so, have some stiffness. You ha- it has to be there. Yeah. So like I'll have some people who come like power lifters, but I'll stretch their hips, but not too much. Cause I'm like, you need to get out of the hole. You need that spring. So mm-hmm. why would I make you one stretch you in a position that you're not used to being in. Right. So mm-hmm. now you don't have control over that new range. You go underneath the bar and now you go to squat and you're just going to dump down mm-hmm. because you're not strong in that new position. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's something that people make a mistake a lot of the times because they just want to, they're excited and they just want to stretch everyone. And mm-hmm. so you got to know they need a certain type of stiffness. It's like, a co- they need that coil. They need that explosiveness. And if you take that away from them, then they're not going to excel in their sport. That's great on understanding the context. And that's where I think it's, it's like you said, especially new people in the industry, they want to, oh my God, this is all I want to do. And they're super excited, but they haven't understood through experience that the context of who's on the table or who you're training is, is imperative. It's a, it's a number one priority to know that. Yeah. And you need to know what positions they thrive in. What's what mm-hmm. positions are they holding? Do they need to be? squatting at 90 do they need to be squatting at 100 what's their position of preference or what do they feel strong and you don't want to take that away from them so i think a lot of the times people want to just hold on to like oh i'm just going to stretch them and it, and then more you know it mm-hmm. stretch them till it hurts and just like no you have to find the balance find out what's going to be most beneficial for them and what's going to help them excel in their sport of choice you know mm-hmm. and And then you have to teach them, even if you do give them new range, let's say they needed a a little bit more range, but you also have to strengthen in that range. You can't just stretch them and then leave them to be Mm -hmm. because they're not strong there. So then you got to provide them with the tools to be strong in that new position. What's interesting is we've seen some influencers slash educators, especially on social media, get into this debate about, you know, I saw one post talking about, 
contortionist style mobility work when in reality when i look at it i'm like that's not contortionist that's just something to me is a necessary range of motion Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like too much and it's like you're just being hypermobile you're stretching out your ligaments you're stretching out and then then what then you're going to still complain about back pain because you're doing a back bend i mean if you are a contortionist for a living great Mm -hmm. you need that Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you're not walking around like the exorcist where your head behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree. I yeah, agree. It's, 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 you should work on increasing range of motion. It, it's not something that, like you said, bodybuilders are like, Oh, I don't need to do that stuff. Yes. But we, we should always at least try to kind of explore and increase what our deficiencies are at some level. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll have yoga instructors and they're super bendy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times I'll do PNF and corrective exercises, but they'll come in and they're so adamant about getting stretched. I'm like, you can take your leg and put it behind your head. Like, what more yeah. do you want me to do? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. So, cause they'll come in with like back pain and stuff. I'm like, maybe the cause of your back pain is you have instability and mm-hmm. you need to strengthen. And I get a lot too with shoulders. Uh, people will come with dislocated shoulders and they'll have shoulder pain or they dislocated at one point in time. And I'm like, it's a stability issue. Now we have to go to work because I have two rooms here, but I'm like, now we got to go to the other room because now we got to go to work. You need kettlebell, bands, all that good stuff, functional stuff in order to strengthen instead of me just stretching your arm so the limb falls off. That doesn't, (laughs) that's not going to do you any good. Yeah, Yeah, because once you dislocate that shoulder, I mean, everything in there is so loose. You just need yeah. to strengthen it. But yeah. a lot of the times they're not educated on that. So they just yeah. know that they're uncomfortable and that they're in pain. And then they just assume like stretching is going to fix it or cupping is going to fix it. And I'm like, no, you need to strengthen it. You know, mm-hmm. we can do maybe pain management. I can throw cups on the area, but you're going to work. You're going to do some band work mm-hmm. and you're going to do some stuff to actually create the stability that you need. It's a, I find like some people just want the fast yeah answer to everything like especially it's so hard to tell people like you you have to do stability work you have you have instability and you have to do these exercises it's like they don't want to hear that like i just want you to fix me i'm like okay i'm gonna do my best but you have to do your part too when you go home i can only do but so much when you're on my table it's only an hour that you're seeing them right yeah an hour sometimes two hours if it depends on you know, the body part, the way my sessions work, usually it's like an hour and it's specific to a body part. So an injury or a shoulder. So we just work on that one thing because what happens is a lot of the times they'll go to other places and it's like my shoulder hurts. And then someone will start working on their calf or their Mm -hmm. whatever. And they're like, I just said my shoulder, my shoulder hurts. So it's for their specific needs. And it's just like one or two body parts. And we dedicate the whole session to that. And sometimes I break it up. We'll do stretching, we'll do cars, and then we do strength training or strength work or functional stuff where you can have something where you can be an advocate of your own health to do at home and be responsible for your own recovery because you don't want to come and see me every day, you know, Mm -hmm. until you feel better. You need to learn how to be aware of your body, what feels right, what doesn't feel right. You need to take control of your health. So I try to be an advocate of that as well. Like you need to do stuff at home. You don't have to rely on, you know, we do need doctors. We do need rehab. If you're post-surgery, all those things, but that should not be the end all be all where you're just constantly relying on somebody to put you in a position or, or make you do exercises. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to joke around when I was in PT, I'm like, you know, we're just glorified trainers and we're just making you accountable for you so you can do your exercises when you come in. Like we do mobilizations and stuff like that, but it's just like pretty much we're just holding you accountable because you got to come here three times a week. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this stuff people can do on their own if they're educated and, you know, and they have the stuff or the means at home, the bands and the kettlebells, or they can go to the gym into it. So I assume you often get the question, how, how often should I work on mobilizing or doing these types of programs? I think that's per- what you're, again, that's like relative mm-hmm. to individuals, so specific. So if you are an athlete and you know, I, it depends. If you know your hips are tight all the time, then you want to do extra mobility work on your hip if you know mm-hmm. that's an area of concern. If you're a yogi, you don't really need too much, not unless you want to do cars, but you need to do it loaded, not mm-hmm. 
just go randomly, you know, mm-hmm. going through your shoulder cards. Now you have to add some resistance. I think it just depends on the individual. Like for me, I haven't been training, I think for four weeks now, but I do have an issue with my left shoulder. So I'll do my morning cards. I'll do resistance. I'll do isometrics. And that's the area that I'm working on of my concern. Cause every now and then I'll feel something and I'm like, okay, I need to work mm-hmm. on this and fix it. But I don't think it should be like an hour or two hour thing if you're trying to do mobility work mm-hmm. and you are uh, into a sport, you know, mm-hmm. like find what you are weak at or what you need to strengthen or, you know, work on mobility and then do that. Just pick those body parts because I think people get discouraged too. They feel like I don't have time to do 30 minute mobility routine yeah. and then do my workout. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be in the gym forever or people are not educated that mobility can be hard. Like it could be a workout and your joints yes. sore, you know, and I love that. I love proving people wrong. Cause they're like, yeah, I need to stretch. And I'm like, why don't you stretch? Oh, because I feel like it's not doing anything. And it just takes time out of my workout. I was like, okay, you come back and we're going to do a mobility routine just for whatever their body part is for hips or whatever. And then they're sweating. And then they're like, this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> this is real mobility. Yeah. It's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. We often say if your mobility work is easy, then we, you, maybe you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Yeah. And just, I think everybody just assume it's foam rolling passively having somebody stretch you. And it's just more than that. Would you recommend to somebody partner assisted stretching versus just trying it on their own? Like I if they went to stretch lab or someone like yourself? I mean, there's a lot of things that they can do on their own. Again, I think it just depends because there's people who just won't put themselves in the position. So like Mm. I've had people that I'll stretch them and they'll be like, yeah, I've done that stretch before, but I'll do it for like 10 seconds and then be done, you know? (laughs) And so (laughs) if you have someone like that, I think it's just a matter of just holding them accountable. If they go and they have assisted stretching, obviously I'm going to hold the position a little bit longer or the... (laughs) for the Mm -hmm. time that they need it. If they're doing it on their own, they're going to be like, this hurts. I'm going to go on to the next stretch after 10 seconds. And, you know, usually takes a minute or two to make change to tissue if you want to make some type of significant change. So I'll educate them on that. So it really depends. Like if you're good at stretching and you are, you have good body awareness, yeah, do it on your own. I'm sure you're capable of stretching on your own. But Mm -hmm. if you're that person that goes in the corner and it's like 10 seconds, you're doing a hamstring stretch or you're you're doing the couch stretch and you're done after 10 seconds, then no, you need someone to. (laughs) (laughs) The body awareness or the lack thereof. I think that's the main reason, the main driving factor of why even in a virtual world, being face to face with somebody is never going to go away. Yeah. You know, because it is in a virtual world, it's really hard to make sure that that person has the awareness of what he or she is doing. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said about touch Mm -hmm. and viewing, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that has been taken for granted too, just putting your hands on people. Because Mm -hmm. I've worked with some practitioners and it's like, I'm all about movement, no manual therapy. I'm not going to like, they're going to work through this. And I'm like, but sometimes people do need you know, you to put your hands on them. They knew they need to feel where it hurts or you need to place them in the proper position. Or sometimes they just do need tissue work. It's just simple mm-hmm. as that, you know, some manual techniques. So I think it's just all about the balance, like finding the, the balance and what that person needs and what's going to get them towards their goal, you know, mm-hmm. that they're trying to achieve. I'm not a big believer of like, this is it. This is the end all be all, yeah. you know, I have a lot of tools in your box because you don't know who's going to get on your table. And that's my thing, my philosophy. Like I never want somebody to get on my table and I'm like, shit, I wish I would have took that course. And then I could have helped this person, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, damn, I should, I wish I should have did that. And now, cause this would have been beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to learn new things. Obviously, you know, you might not agree on certain things right. or, you know, like I remember when I took FRC, you know, they shitted on FST and cupping and all that other stuff. And I was just like, I was just sitting there in the corner. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I love it. Like I'm all about being open and looking at your perspective and seeing maybe we can find the commonality or common ground and I can take something from you and learn something from you. We might not agree on everything, but I, if that makes sense to me, then I'm going to use it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's another thing, people, they get so hell bent on one thing, just mm-hmm. stretching, just mobility. No, you need everything. Our, mm-hmm. our body is a syner- it's like it's a synergy. Everything works mm-hmm. together. Not one part works on its own. So mm-hmm. why would one thing work on, on your body or one technique? <laughs> Very true. Is hydration an element that a lot of people don't think about in regards to tissue quality and how that affects how you move or how you oh, feel? Oh my God. Hydration, rest. Like people mm-hmm. think it's not a thing. Like when I do my little IG lives and a lot of the times I'll talk to personal trainers and like, that's the one thing they'll do if they notice a decline in their training. Like, are you getting enough rest? Are you, do you have anything emotional going on at home or stressful? Are you drinking enough water? How's your diet? How, you know, are you eating clean? And I feel like people take that for granted a lot. And again, once you get your hands on enough people, like I've stretched people and I'm like, are you drinking enough water? Because the integrity of your tissue, it seems really hard or the skin is super tacked down and the fascia, like I can just, it's not pliable. I don't think you're staying hydrated. And they're like, I drink water. I drink like one bottle. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you need to drink more, (laughs) you know, especially if you're going to come and get tissue work or stretched out, like you should be hydrated before and hydrated after to make sure that things are flowing and pliable. So yeah, I do think people take that for granted and rest too. A lot of people don't realize you're not getting enough rest that wreaks havoc on your body too. You know, that's rest and digest. That's when all the magic happens. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in that state and you're not getting enough sleep, then how are you supposed to recover from, you know, injuries or just little, those little micro traumas throughout the day that you might be, you know, accumulating and you don't even realize your body's not even taking care of it. Like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think the vast majority of people are dehydrated that are wad that you'll see come across every day. Yeah. I mean, I want to say maybe about 90%. Yeah, and they always I, say yeah. they they always say they're drinking water. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like you said, they oh, I drink a bottle. And then you're like, Well, what size is the bottle? They're like, Well, it's a little 20 ounce bottle. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, but you weigh, yeah, you you weigh 180 pounds, <laughs> like that's hardly anything, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's getting people educated to understand that if you're not putting fluid into your body, then right off the bat, you're really shortchanging yourself. You're at a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. and I try to educate them on that. I had um, talked to John Meadows. God mm-hmm. rest his soul. I remember he was telling me like recovery was a big aspect in his programming. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wasn't recovering, like let's say you did leg day and mm-hmm. it's day four and you're still sore, he uh, wouldn't he wouldn't work legs until the following week until you told him. And then he would take that into consideration. And that's pretty much how he would map out your programming. And he was like, I look to see how fast they recover from, you know, individual body parts or individual workouts because it's gonna do me no good if we did legs one day and then where he's set to do legs two or three days later, but he's still sore from mm-hmm. the last workout. And then he also took in consideration like what they ate. He was like, if they eat shitty, if you have McDonald's the next day or whatever, he was like, I'm pretty sure you're going to feel crappy. You're mm-hmm. going to, you know, have lactic acid build up. Like you're just going to feel sore. And it has to do a little bit with, what's, with your diet and what you're mm-hmm. eating. So I think people who aren't, like health enthusiasts and they're not educated, that's something that they take for granted as well. They don't realize like that can play a big role into their stiffness, into, you know, their strength, their explosiveness, Mm. just even their progression in life. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. I think with, you know, social media now, everyone wants to train hard all the time and your body just can't do it. You can't keep up with it. You know what I realized when I work on people, like, I have NFL, like retired NFL players. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the times they just want to move better. Like I have people who just, who compete and then, you know, they're done with that. And they're just like, I just want to be, be able to move without pain, walk up the steps, be able to run down the street. Like, so I think it's good if you're chasing a goal and you are involved in a sport and you're competitive. But I think also at the end of the day, it just boils down to people just want to be functional and pain-free. Like they Mm -hmm. just want to be able to do normal things without hurting, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think people, they lose sight of that. Like when they're, they want to train, train hard, 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 but then what's the benefit of that? Like, are you competing? 
Okay, I get it. If you're competing and you and you have a goal, great. Like you got to do what you got to do. I'm all for it. But if you're not competing and you're not at an elite level, then why are you beating up your body so hard? You can still work out and get the same benefits and not feel like shit the next day or yeah. not be able to roll out of the bed the next day. That's hard to talk to people about that when they have that mentality. And, and again, social media, you, no pain, no gain. You know, yeah. if, it, if it doesn't hurt, it's not working, you know. And so it's hard to break people out of that. Even myself, I um, do lymphatic drainage as mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. then I do a lot of Dr. Perry stuff. So nice. people will come to me for lymphatic and I'm like, this is the lightest, most gentlest thing that I will ever do to you. Like technique. And they're like, what do you mean? And then I do it and they're like, this is it. I'm like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> but you have to educate them on like why you're doing, why yeah. you're doing it. You know, your yeah. lymphatic system is one millimeter away from your skin. So it doesn't take a lot of pressure for me to actually to move it, you know, where the lymph nodes are. But even with me, they're so used to me digging my elbow or making them move or they're in an in uncomfortable position. And then it's like, this is it. This is, mm. this is lymphatic. I'm like, yeah, this is lymphatic. <laughs> but I promise you, you'll feel better. <laughs> you know, let me know how you feel in a couple of days. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to get people out of those, like that mindset, that closed mindset. Even when like now they have with the the knees over toes yeah ben pat yeah ben patrick yeah yeah and so like people are freaking out about that and it's just like everything has its has its place guys like don't freak out it's like the newest thing you know and it's dispelling a rumor and i'm like it's good for some people not a lot of people might be able to, to do that or don't have you know the anatomical structures to be able to get in that position and that's okay but you don't have to be so fixed minded like this is the way now everybody wants to go knees over toes and that's it <laughs> i'm like okay yeah and i think the people that don't dig deep enough into you know that type of programming don't realize that you know it's a very progressive strategy they he starts people really easy and then builds up over time whereas people see the end result and they're like okay i'm gonna start here yeah and that's a problem with social media everyone sees the end results and they don't want to put the work in or don't know what it takes to get there. And one of the reasons I got started in this, like I watch sports, but people are always like, they're always caught off guard because they're like, you know, do you watch football? I'm like, yeah. I was like, but you know what I find more interesting? The training. Like, that's what I always like. I want to know what you did to get to this point of execution. Mm -hmm. Cause that's where the hard work and everything comes into play, the preparation. So I've always been uh, fascinated with that aspect as far as like, oh, he just scored a touchdown. Or I'm like, no, I want to know what that guy was doing in the gym, what mm -hmm. his therapist had him doing. Like, how did he recover from that? And like, those, like that's how my brain works mm -hmm. as opposed to just like watching the end result and, you know, and thinking that's it. Like they just got out of bed and they got there mm -hmm. and they made it happen. So I think that lacks on social media because just people just chase, they see this one thing and then they're like, oh, I want to do that. Okay. Well, ask that person, what did they do to get there? What, what, what was the steps that were taken? And um, I feel like that happens a lot, even with training or stretching, like, again, progressive overload. You just can't stay doing a basic hamstring stretch or trying to touch your toes or, you know, like that's not going to work forever isometricals, get a, a two pound leg weight, something, you know, and then start introducing your body to that load. Cause we know that the tissues speak the language of load and force. So it's like, people don't understand that. And they just want to, they're happy being in this one position or content. And then mm -hmm. they just run with it. Then they, they wonder why they don't get results or why they don't look like that person or why they're not able to do what this person is doing. Well, then ask that person what they're doing. And I'm quite sure they're not doing what you're doing at this point. <laughs> It's a journey. Most things are a journey. As I get older, I start realizing the patience is a superpower nowadays. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people don't have it. Yeah. You yeah. feel like you're running out of patience with people? Or you no, I just know when you watch people try to do things, you're like, it, it, it's not it going to happen time. overnight. It, Rome wasn't yeah. built in a day. There, there's mm -hmm. a reason why it's, that saying exists. When we look at the Burj Khalifa, right? In Dubai, right? We look at that and we go, oh, that building is magnificent. And we love the end product. But nobody gave a shit when they were putting the framing up. 
Nobody gave a shit when the foundation was being laid. You know, like nobody was watching that. If that people yeah. would be like, okay, well, that's boring. But that's what, the reason why the building is in the position it's in. Yeah, I feel like it's a gift and a curse because the younger generation they have access. Everything is just accessible to them, so mm-hmm. they expect everything to be that way, and they don't see the hard work or, like you said, the progression and what they did to get there. And I feel like that's in everything. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's training whether it's like entrepreneur, like I have people who message me and they're like, Oh, I want to do what you're you're doing. When I, when I get out of PTA school, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to branch off. And I'm like, get your hands on people first, work for somebody else, learn to get, uh, you know, your hands on as many people as you can. So that when someone comes on your table and you've already, you already know how to deal with that and you're not nervous or like, Oh, I've never seen this before, or I, I forgot. I read about it in school, but this is my first time seeing it actually on the table. Mm-hmm. Like, get your hands on as many people. It's not. I didn't get out of school and just automatically, you know, go off on my own. I worked for a bunch of people first. I asked questions. I took courses, like you know. And then you have to have that mindset of how can you take it a step further? Because I get mm-hmm. people who message me and they're like, "Yeah, I took that course. Do you have any other recommendations?" And I'm like. Well, that course has three levels. So you just did yeah. the one <laughs> and then like finish it and then go on to something else, you know, or for me, I know when I take continuing education courses, I'm always writing down, like if they say, I got this from so-and-so or they're giving mm-hmm. credit, I write the book down and then I go, as they're talking, I'm Amazoning it to my house mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that I can read it and have a better understanding of, cause it's just a presentation. A lot of the times they only have an hour or two hours to actually talk and lecture. So they're going to give you the snippets, but get to the meat and the potatoes, like read the whole book. Maybe you might find something in there that resonates with you that they didn't, they didn't talk about in the lecture. And so I feel like that's something that people need to work on as well, because I know when I do things, it's like, okay, how can I incorporate this on my table? Which one, which of my clients can benefit from this and how can I make it better? How yes. can I put my spin on it? Well, how can I take the other things that I have learned and incorporate it into what I'm doing? So I think a lot of people, they do FRC. They only want to do FRC. They do this. They only want to do this and that's it. And I'm like, no, be open-minded and also try to figure other things out. Take the extra time to read books just because that person read it, they might have a different mm-hmm. perspective on it than you do. You might read something and take it in a different context than what was presented at the lecture. So I get that a lot. Like a lot of people feel like it's just, you know, fast, fast, fast. I'm going to take this course and I'm going to start doing it. And I'm like, okay, take the course, but practice it. Look up what books they were referring to. Get those books read those books. Like I'm the type of person, if you learn something and you told me you learn it from somebody else, I'm going to go to that guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I want to know the person you learned from, you mm-hmm. know, and get it from the horse's mouth and then I'll come back and then we can talk and, you know, and then exchange ideas and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Yeah. But so well, that's how my brain works. <laughs> well, I know when, well, when we created stick mobility, we created off of principles, scientific principles, but then also things that Neil and I had learned years ago from other people. And mm-hmm. still, and they're still learning. Yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about having a podcast is we're not just having guests on; like we're learning ourselves from other mm-hmm. people. And so that's something that uh, when we teach our course, you know, we always say, "Hey, there's these other courses out there that are really good, and you should look at to make sure that you're broadening your horizons and getting more tools in your toolbox." Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I loved about taking your course. Like Jared, one of the things he said, mm-hmm. this is not the end all be all. You can incorporate mobility sticks with a bunch of different modalities. This is just something to help you and another tool for your toolbox. And I love that mentality because, mm-hmm. you know, you, I have taken other courses where they're just like, we don't want you doing anything else but this. If you post it on social media, it needs to be this. And that's it. Don't. Right. Don't have anything else in the picture. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, what happened to just being open-minded? And maybe I just, you know, tried something new. <laughs> so I love that. Like that was one of the big takeaways when I had went uh, for the course. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like you can use it with a bunch of different things. It's just not the end all be all. Although, you know, it's great. I tell people 
it's great for regressions, you know, for my clients who can't get in positions and they can use the sticks for leverage and it helps them to get into those positions mm-hmm. better where they're not compromising, you know, their form. And then I can make it really hard for my athletes who can get in those positions and make it, you know, difficult and add different modalities to it or add weight or load to it. So that's one of the things I love about it. Like it's just very integrative and you can mix it up. But I think a lot of people, like I said, just stick to one thing and they don't want to branch off, you know, and it's good to be a specialist in something. I I love that too. You know, you specialize in one thing and that's your forte, but also it's good to just have your hands in in different pots because you never know what you're going to learn. You never know where the golden nuggets going to come from or your aha moment that can change, you know, a patient's treatment or change their life. So I think people need to be a little bit more open and broad as opposed to like, this is it and that's it, or not willing to put the work in and not willing to take the time out to find out what really, what it really takes to get to where they want to be, whether that be taking a class you know, becoming a therapist, whatever it is, through sport, you got to put the work in regardless. I think depending on the client you work with, right, you may have to use a different approach, a different tool to to connect with them and for them to be motivated to do it. Yeah. With me, it's like, that's what I say. It's you never know what you're going to get. Right. And so when people come in, I'm like, your sessions are catered to your individual needs. So like the one guy, normally parties, people think I'll be stretching him to death or sitting, you know, have a bunch of cups on him, but I don't, we just sit here and literally do breath work. And that's what works for him for now. Obviously Mm -hmm. at some point we're going to have to change the game. And that's another thing. Like I'll have people who come and I'll stretch them and they'll love it. And then I'm like, okay, but they'll say, you know, but I did this and my, I tweaked my back again and did it. Okay. Understand that what I'm doing is giving you relief, but at some point you have to put the work in. Mm -hmm. So they'll get upset when I'd be like, we're not stretching today. I'm not doing tissue with you work today. We're going in the other room and we're going to do corrective exercises. And they kind of look at me like, I just want to get stretched out. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. That's not what's happening today because you got stretched out enough. We need to teach you how to strengthen it so you can stop coming back here. And I mean, it's good for business for me, but mm-hmm. I still want you to be an advocate for your health. Like you need to understand that that that's not normal for you to do something and automatically experience pain. So you got to get yourself out of that and just be more responsible for your own health. Very true. When you broke off on your own, was there anything that as far as issues wise that maybe you didn't expect to come across being a new business owner (laughs) or, or your own brand? I learned that you can't rely on social media. You have to, uh, one thing, and they had told me, I took a business course maybe right before COVID and Mm -hmm. it didn't resonate with me until social media actually shut down for the day. So Mm -hmm. you can't rely on it because one of the things they did say was like, if it shuts down tomorrow, then how are you going to have your referrals? How are people going to know about you? Very true. How are you going to get your name out there? You know what I mean? So you have to have different sources of income or different uh, partnerships. With me, I'm in a weird place with my business where I'm not scalable. I do everything. I answer the, I make the appointments. I work on my social media. It's just me. You come in. If if you call my phone, I'm answering. If I'm responding to your text or your DM, when you come in, I'm the one treating you. Like I don't have a receptionist or any of that. So I'm too accessible to people. So like people, they know, okay, I call this number and she'll answer. Yeah. You know, creating boundaries was another thing because because I'm so accessible. People will message me like 12 a.m. at night. Do you Damn, take? Dang. Yeah, do you take <laughs> like? Do you take insurance or um, have you worked on Achilles injuries before? And I'm like, it's 12. Do you call your doctor at 12? I don't understand why this is happening. So then you have to like, let them know my hours of operation are, you know, so those are little things that as an entrepreneur, when you, you don't have your own space, I work from home now, but, I just purchased a space in Livingston. So that's my first. Yeah. So I'll be moving out of here. And that's another thing. You realize the limit on certain things. So I worked with someone who was getting media placement. I was on the news. We just talked about like forward head 
posture and mm-hmm. how people being at their desk all day. So you, it's little things that you don't think about. So they were asking me like where I'm located. And for a second, I was like, wait a minute. I, I can't give millions of people my home address. <laughs> like, what the hell? So I'm like, I just can't, I just can't have random people showing up at my house. Right? So, yeah. so then I had to like dodge that bullet and like, well, I'm located at, at the stretch. <laughs> you know, on Instagram or the stretch I have a website. So those things, it's like your trial and error, you know, and then yeah. I learned, you know, right now, I have to hire someone to do like, you know, make the appointments and do those small little things for me and my business. I'm about the exclusivity. So I like that one-on-one. Like I don't want it to be because I've worked in those spaces before where it's five minutes, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then the next person comes in and I have, I don't want that. I want the one-on-one, you with me for an hour. We're going to fix it, get to the you know root of the problem. I do like that people, you know, my clients have access to me. They have my cell phone. If they need anything, they can reach out. If they have an emergency session or something goes wrong, like, I love that. But at the same time, you know, people are like, you can't do everything. You can't do the sessions, make the appointments, do your social media content. And, you know, I can't be at all those places at the same time. So I'm working on that. And that's something through trial and error. Like, I just Mm -hmm. didn't realize that I didn't scale the business well. Like, I'm working on it now. But in the beginning, it was just like, I'm a one-man band. I'm doing everything. And sometimes you can get burnt out real quick, you know. And you're trying to get your name out there. So then, again, building boundaries. And you want to set them early. So for me, I was taking people... 11 o'clock at night, you know, I have, yeah, I have some, you know, celebrity clients. So weird hours, I'd be at their house working on them. And then you realize you set a president, you know, and so it kind of puts you in a weird position where Mm -hmm. if you do need to scale down and you're feeling like you're, people are like, what, what do you mean? You can't take me at that time. I'm not doing that. Like, (laughs) you know, I have, I was working seven days a week. Like I said, Sunday, Mm -hmm. then I just said, no more Sundays. It's family day. I have a, I have a daughter. So I was like, that's time, my family time. And I'm not working on Sundays anymore. So people are like, well, why are you working Sundays? Cause I have a family. Why are you not working on Sundays? <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> that's the best answer. <laughs> You're home. I want to be home too. <laughs> so those are the things that you don't realize until it starts to happen. And then you're just like, oh, I got to take care of this problem. And it's a little hard to backtrack. And it makes it a little bit uncomfortable when you have to have that conversation sometimes with your clients. But the people who understand, they're like, okay. You know, and people who are reasonable would be like, yeah, it's not reasonable for you to work seven days a week or it's Mm -hmm. not feasible for you to work all day on a Sunday. And those are the people that you want who are on the Mm -hmm. same page and and they want to work with you. So I think as an entrepreneur, that was like one of my biggest things. I'm still working on it, like scaling it and putting people in the right positions, obviously getting my own space because I realized like, shit, I don't want random. I've been so lucky that I haven't had like a random person knock on my door. Like, mm. I, I want to make an appointment with the stretch bosses. Like, this is my house. <laughs> I've been lucky with that. But I realized, like, okay, now it's time. I have to have my own space. If I do any media placement, now I can blurt out the address. You can feel free to show up there if you want. Mm-hmm. You're not coming into my house and actually, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. meeting my family or somebody opening, my daughter opening the door for you or something. Well, fantastic. Congratulations on getting your new space. Thank you. And uh, that's a big step. Scary and exciting. Yeah, right. And I think that's that fear of is what prevents a lot of people from taking that first step of trying to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or opening up their own gym or whatever business it is. There's yeah. always that, oh my God, am I going to succeed? You don't know unless you try. Try. So, you, so I'm there, gonna ask you guys a question. What do you hmm. guys do for recovery? Sleep. <laughs> well, he, he's got two kids. I need, yeah, I got he's two got little two ones kids. right now. So, right now, my. My sleep isn't great. So, you know, on those days, I just, even if I want to train, you know, I'll, I'll kind of back off a little bit. I'll still move, get my mm-hmm. activity in, you know, do the, you use the sticks. I, I'll do some soft tissue work with a foam rolling. Um, okay, cool. But yeah, for the most part, just try to get as much sleep as I can. Sleep as you can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll typically, uh, I love the lymphatic stuff that Perry does. 
So I do that at least three times a week. Do uh, you? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. So yeah, he the, took us through that. He stuff. took us through the lymphatic release thing. So at least three times a week, I try to do that. I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. I've, mm-hmm. But since I've incorporated that, uh, I feel much better. I'm a big fan of that. I do foam rolling when I feel it's necessary. So yeah, I, I don't uh, hesitate. To, especially, I tend to get a little uh, tight through the hamstrings sometimes. Especially because if you're playing hockey, you're in that flex position. So you'll get that extension on the back. So uh, I may do some release typically on the hamstrings. Love Jill Miller's release techniques with her mm-hmm. yoga tune-up stuff yeah so breath work is always a big part of what i do when i'm training but i understand like if i play hockey or if i have a hard training session then what is i do more of an active recovery day the next day whether it's you know hiking or just grabbing a stick and going through a half hour even you know even maybe even just 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. if i have some downtime between sessions or whatever if it, even if it's 15 minutes boom let's get something in there just to help out a little bit yeah okay great yeah i mean you know what i find and not to go off topic but have you ever realized um even frc a lot of them use well, this is just how my brain works. Like I remember when I first took FRC and then I was like, cause my father does Tai Chi and I come oh, from nice. a martial arts background. So a lot of those movements were familiar to me. And I was like, this is not like brand new. Like I'm thinking in my head because I have seen it before. And I was like, it's just another spin on it. And I think people have a tendency to not look at the, like the bigger picture. Cause a lot of the times we're pretty much all saying the same thing and it's coming from the same yes. place. Mm-hmm. Everybody yes. puts their little spin on it. Mm-hmm. So if you understand where it's coming from and the general purpose, then I feel like it's beneficial to everyone. But I just like, when I take some of these courses, it's like, I feel like it's, you know, it's the same thing, which is good. Cause it's a refresher mm-hmm. and you might hear something in one course that you didn't hear on another, you know, mm-hmm. and they might've been saying the same thing, but just yep. someone saying, bring it, bring it to you in a different way. But like, that was one of the things when I had taken FRC, I'm like, this is kind of like Qigong. Like my father does this in the backyard. Like I'm just thinking in my head, like, cause then he would tell me and when I'd be in school, he's like, girl, you just need to go in the backyard and do Tai Chi. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, I don't understand why you're reading all this stuff. <laughs> or I'll come to him and he'll be like, yeah, I've been doing that for a while, like breath work and, you know, I'm bringing it into the solar plex. And he's like, I've been doing that forever. I don't, and you should have just came to me. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, okay, dad. But it's interesting to see how people just put their spin on it. And then it's like this brand new thing. And you're just like, no, it's been around forever. Yeah, <laughs> Tai Chi is something I've wanted to take for a long time. I just need to get my butt out there and find an instructor and start getting into it. It's definitely yeah. something I wanted to do, and I don't want to do it via YouTube or watching somebody's videos. Like I want to like be in front of an actual instructor and and get that person person to person. Yeah, I I do okay. it often, but my mm-hmm. dad he I did it with him for two years, okay. and then he he took off and he got certified in it and he just like, you know, brought all the books and stuff, but I stopped doing it because it was so slow and I was young at the time. And so I was like in my twenties and I was like, I just want to kick and punch things. I'm like, this is so slow. We can't go to the bathroom. We would do it in the park and they, were, they wouldn't let us go to the bathroom for mm-hmm. like an hour or two. And it's just like, you're going to mess up the cheese. You have to like go through the hole. And I'm like, okay, I'm over this. Like I was like two years in and I'm like, dad, I'm going to go take Muay Thai. So <laughs> I'll see you later. But now I see the benefits. Like when I do, even with rehab, uh-huh. just going through ranges of motion with the shoulder. Yeah. And she is the same thing. You know, you do like they have, it's the same. You do small circles um, for combat, big circles for health. Uh-huh. So you go through the, you know, ranges of motion. And my dad um, had shoulder surgery and he had one of like the, fa- one of the fastest recoveries and he just, you know, he credits it to doing his Tai Chi because he would come home from rehab and he would just do the circles and small motions until he was able to get the full range of motion on top of what he was doing yeah. on rehab. But he was like diligent on doing it and he would do it every day for like almost an hour mm. straight. 
So when those things resonate, like when I see things, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. and I feel like people need to do more of meshing things instead of just like separating it. Yeah. That makes sense. That's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Fantastic. Yeah, martial arts has had it right for a long time. Yeah. And I think people take it for granted. Like, again, yeah. it's they want it the end all be all or it's just one way. And for me, it's like we're pretty much all saying the same thing. Just find a different it's different approaches. And what works for one person might not work for another, but you're still trying to end up at the same goal, you know? So I feel like as a, in the health and fitness community, there's a lot of like, sometimes we start to separate from each other and like, this person does this one and this person. Okay. But if you go, if you look at the basis of it, we're pretty much just doing and saying (laughs) the same thing and trying to reach the same end goal at the end of the day, you know? That is very true. That is very true. Well, Tina, thank you very much for taking your time. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Love your work. So thank keep it up. Uh, we definitely approve. Uh, we love what you're posting. Great content. And uh, if someone does want to get a hold of you, uh, <laughs> where where would they be able to do that? Okay. So for now, you can reach me on my website, thestretchboss.com. <laughs> and then you can find me on Instagram at thestretchboss. Fantastic. But I will be in Livingston, New Jersey soon. I say by the end of the month. And then right. the announcement. That's fantastic. Excellent. Well, thank you again. And uh, no, to all the listeners. Thank you guys. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, you got it. Thanks yeah, we on. loved having you on. And uh, to all the listeners out there, until next episode, be good to each other. Be good to each other. That's right. thank you for listening to our podcast be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on either apple itunes or spotify please if you could leave a review we'd appreciate that if you have any questions that we can answer for you be sure to leave those in the comments also if you're looking for more information on our education our products please go to www.stickmobility.com and also hit that subscribe button to that youtube channel and don't forget our live instagram classes three times a week if you want to join in grab your sticks and hit that